Obviously, the change in ownership in the new era of CrossFit Inc. as a company, for the first time, there's an, there's an owner that doesn't rhyme with Leg Lassman. And <laughs> I would say this was something that had, was a long time coming, but I also thought would never come. So, uh, you know, there was, there's a term in, in like the Silicon Valley business tech sector called founder syndrome, where the growth and, and, and reach of a company expands beyond the, the, I guess you would say the, the natural efficacy of its founder, but the founder's unwillingness to relinquish power and control over the company can stifle it and ultimately cause it to crash and burn. And I, d I don't think CrossFit was quite there yet, but I think it was quite apparent that the views and feelings of the community were no longer reflected by who was controlling. Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale. My friends, Amy Radowski, Charlie Odie, Kat Shear, love fitness as a sport as much as I do. We are all 40-plus Masters Age athletes who give all we have to lead a healthy, active life. We also want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news surrounding the sport of fitness. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a five-star rating and writing a review. We are also available with full video on YouTube at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast as well as all traditional podcast platforms. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Clydesdale underscore fitness and friends. And now off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale fitness and friends podcast. So we're coming off the excitement of last week, giving away our first original RX Smart Gear jump rope as part of our hashtag road to a thousand. Um, so that is awesome. And we want to tell you that we are already 10 subscribers into the next hundred. And so we want to keep that momentum rolling. Let's go. And this is how you can become um, able to win a brand new customized RX Smart Gear jump rope. And that is one, subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Two, make sure that that account is public so that we can see your name. And three, share with everybody you know or tag your friends in a post that we may make about it so that we can get to that next level as quickly as possible. Yeah, easy it's enough, be easier. right? Easy. Yep. Free stuff. Free stuff. And our, one's already gone out the door, so we, uh, we're ready to give away a lot more because we want to get to that 1,000 so that by next CrossFit season, we can start uh, doing a little more fun and uh, remote location type stuff with the podcast. And we want to thank RX Mark here. They have been an awesome partner. Uh, we couldn't have asked for a better sponsor and partner to this podcast. They are awesome. And... Uh, it is the holiday season. If you want to buy one of your loved ones a jump rope, easy peasy, go on rxmarkhere.com 
You can customize it, get the colors, the, the patterns that you like, and you can get 15% off by typing Clydesdale15, all caps, at checkout, uh, and that gets you 15% off everything in the store except for new releases and special editions. And now off to this week's episode. Tommy, what's going on? Hey. Hey. How's Hi. it going, everybody? Good. Good. So just to reintroduce you to everybody on the cast, we have, we, Kat and I saw you at the Masters Fitness Collective. Cat's mm -hmm. down there. And then we have Amy, who was on last time you were on way back mm -hmm. in, yeah. in March. Yeah. Uh, but we weren't video back then, so we only talked to you on the phone. So I got to hear the lovely voices of everyone, but now I get to see everyone. So that's right. Better. Yeah. So uh, really the plan for this is this is going to air the week between Christmas and New Year's. Okay. Uh, so we want to catch up with you first and foremost, and then just kind of pose some looking back at the year that was and kind of what we think is going to happen in the future. And maybe a little bit about what came out today and you've written up a little bit for the morning chalk up. Uh, since this isn't going to air for another week and a half, you know, you'll have plenty of time to, to talk about it before we air it. So cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. So for our listeners, we have back for the second time, uh, the infamous Tommy Marquez. <laughs> so that's Tommy, what's going on, man? I was going to say, that's probably the most accurate description for me. <laughs> like, yeah, I've, I was just, I was just thinking of like, yeah, I've done some things in my past to earn that moniker, you know, college days were a little wild, but um, I'll try and balance the scale. I still, back. I still like the Mexican Sasquatch. That's what uh, Yes. Hey, hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I appreciate that nickname, you know, just because I take pride in being a lanky kind of gangly CrossFitter. So, you know, looks good. So I know that you guys have been busy. Uh, you have got to be like the busiest man in CrossFit. <laughs> uh, I think you're busier now than when you worked for CrossFit HQ. Yeah, that's uh, fair. With, with working for the Morning Chalk Up, uh, talking elite fitness, fitness with friends, and you get pulled into a lot of media uh, because of your longstanding knowledge uh, with, the, with the sport. So last time we talked to you, you guys were just kind of getting your feet under you with talking elite fitness and now all this stuff is going on how are you doing we're doing all right you know it's uh i i i feel happy happy and confident in the what we're continuing to build with the podcast and and everything that's been going on you know as with any everybody else the the last eight months have been interesting to say the least and one thing that has been very reassuring to me is that throughout it all, we've had a, a steady level of support from people and supporting us in our efforts and the, the product that we put out. Um, and we've tried to put out at a pretty consistent basis and at a high level. And um, that one lets me know that we're doing something right, which you know, is the most you can ever hope for as a content creator and, and someone that's trying to provide something of value to the community. And two, it, it, it tells me that despite everything that's been going on in the community, there is still an appetite and there's still a community that is passionate and is ready to um, continue to support whatever direction and whatever iteration of the of CrossFit comes out of these last kind of eight months that have just been turmoil and 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 almost felt like a constant state of flux and to me that 
that emboldens us to try and be a steady presence in, in the media, which is what we were, we tried to be at HQ and really motivates us to try and continue to keep putting out high quality stuff and, and stay, and, and stay motivated and, you know, stay on the gas pedal as much as we can. Yeah, that's awesome. So when we talked to you, it was March 1st, uh, episode 19, uh, was your first time on, you will be in episode 98 for your second time through. <laughs> so, so we, we've been, we've been putting the gas pedal down too this year. Um, what I want to ask you is at that point you had a lot of plans for like the sanctional season and all of that kind of went away in a quick hurry. Uh, Cause I think you were in Montreal when like all of that went down and the Atlas games was canceled and then West coast classic soon after that. And then it just the domino effect for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that change your perspective once that kind of cleared out how did you look at the year going forward then with with the things you were doing so like like you mentioned i had a ridiculous slate in front of me um at as things were starting to shut down and this pandemic really kind of kicked into full force globally i was set to go to three sanctionals back to back west uh atlas games then to west coast classic and then overseas to germany and I really felt like this year was an opportunity for to the community to do some stress testing as far as the sanctional system was concerned. We were going to include what I thought was to be way more sanctionals than would be financially and, re, and competitively viable for the long term. So we were going to get an opportunity to see, hey, if we open up the floodgates and see who can throw their best foot forward you know, and what's going to stick. Like this is a great opportunity to do this. It probably won't happen again. So I'm going to take full advantage of that and travel and go see that and be able to at least provide a firsthand account of what that looks like to the community from, from my perspective and from my experience covering it from a media standpoint. And to me, that was really exciting despite everything that was going on and a little bit of the chaos that had happened. And that, like you said, immediately came to an end. I was on the flight to Montreal I had just spoken with Matt O'Keefe, uh, Chief Keefe, and was like, yo, are we doing this thing in San Diego next year? And he's like, I, I think we're going to be all right. I think we're going to push forward. I'm on the plane working on an, a prep article for, for the Atlas Games, and I get a ping across uh, the Morning Chalk Up channel saying, Germany just canceled. So that's one. I land in Montreal. We have dinner. I wake up. West Coast Classic is, is canceled. Go to the venue. Athletes are checking in. I'm checking in with the event organizers, making sure everything's all right, if they need anything, because obviously they're stressed. And then by that afternoon, after the athletes were about to go through their first briefing, Prime Minister Trudeau's wife, I believe, caught it or was exposed to it. And then suddenly everything in Canada was shut down. And in a matter of 24 hours, the rest of my season was basically over uh, as far as traveling. And there was this huge, well, what now <laughs> kind of situation. And I, I never felt like, and, 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 you know, a credit to Sean Woodland a bunch. Cause you know, obviously we sit down and talk through everything out because we're a podcast that, that primarily centers on the sport of CrossFit. We do touch on the lifestyle elements. We do touch on, you know, the everyday type news stuff, but our bread and butter is the sport. And that's what we love to cut our teeth on. And so it's a constant for us, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to continue to 
do this at a level and at a clip that we want to. And obviously we want to, we have some, some very supportive sponsors that we wanted to do. So really forces just like everybody else, basically you have to do this massive pivot. And ironically enough, I felt like we were pretty prepared to do something like that after what had happened in 2018. So, you know, some of the trials and tribulations that you go through kind of prepare you for your next battle. And so we kind of thought it through and, you know, all right, let's get creative a little bit. We'll find some ways to continue to, to make this content. Um, and it was pretty clear that a lot of the events were going to be very touch and go right up to the minute as the world was kind of figuring this out. So in the very least, that was something for us to talk about and update people with and people were still looking to us. So um, it, it was kind of this weird kind of realization, like we're prepared for this. We could do this. We can pivot. We could start to move a little, uh, move in different directions that we want to, and maybe explore some content ideas. So, I I don't want to say it was necessarily a blessing because I wouldn't wish it wish it under these circumstances. But it definitely, once again, the, what's you know a hardship to mo in the eyes of many was another opportunity for us to learn and grow a little bit and expand upon our offerings and try and find um, footing in ways that we didn't know existed before. So um, I in Looking back, I'll be able to be grateful for that. And, um, and I still got to travel a little bit. There were moments where I still got to go on the road. I got to see, I got, we got to go to Indiana and um, never been to Indiana before, you know, and I wouldn't have probably wouldn't have otherwise gone to that event or had the opportunity to go to that event uh, if they hadn't picked up and ran with the ball, you know, after the Masters got canceled. So there were some unique opportunities and, um, as we start to get the vaccine delivered here in the States, I can kind of start to take a step back now and reflect back positively in some ways about what came out of all of that craziness, just like I had the year before. <laughs> so something else big that you had to pivot on was your wedding plans. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was supposed to be September, I believe that you guys were thinking. So what's, what's the, uh, the update there? So um, I wish I had more to update. Uh, the and I actually give you guys a little tidbit of knowledge that because of when it airs is not public and nobody else knows yet. So uh, I have. <laughs> if you watch the recent Buttery Bros vlog, you will know that uh, my fiance lost her ring, and that was a, a very difficult thing to swallow. But for Christmas, I'm giving her. Ring 2.0. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, nice. and she she doesn't know that yet. She still thinks I haven't talked to the company about getting a new one ordered and designed. So that'll be a little bit of a surprise. So, um, as people oh, are nice. listening, they will the, the eagle will have landed by that <laughs> by that point. But um, we were about to on that same flight that I was. I interestingly enough, I had just received the contract for our wedding venue. So as I'm flying to Montreal, I'm, I'm reading through the contract, talking with our families, like, hey, I think we're going to sign this and do this. The weekend before we had done the walkthrough, which was, you know, also my birthday weekend. So we made a little trip of it to go to Tahoe. And once everything kind of started going haywire, you know, that kind of fell into the immediate backseat just because like we had some time to sign the contract and, and pay for it. And when we called the venue, once I got back from Montreal, they were like, oh, the person that you were working with has already been furloughed because all of our events have canceled for the year. So that was like an immediate stop. Like, okay, this isn't probably not going to happen. Um, our, uh, our guest of honor is going to be her 96 or 97 year old great grandmother. And so safety is obviously a priority for her. And, 
we want to make sure that all of the extended family can be able to go to that. We both have huge families. So uh, the initial guest list was over 400. So it was, wow. yeah. Um, so we're looking at August of next year. It's still up in the air. We, we kind of have a hard deadline of February to make the decision on it, which buys us a couple of months to see how the response is globally to the vaccine and how everything is going um, through the rest of uh, the United States. So, we're looking at August 28th and hopefully in Lake Tahoe and hopefully with all of our friends and family. If not, then we've discussed contingency plans. Set, nothing is settled quite yet on maybe doing something small as far as the ceremony is concerned and throwing a really big party for the one year anniversary is, yeah. as, as a way of celebrating with everyone. So either way, I get to wear a tux and that's all. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. So speaking of pivoting with Sean, I also, once you got into that groove, you guys started doing things like uh, the podium picks and your Friday Q, Friday Q and a, mm -hmm. um, how surprised were you when your audience started to grasp on things about you guys and what was going on in your personal life, as opposed to uh, the CrossFit game season itself? It was a little surreal. If, if I'm being honest, you know, Sean and I both kind of come from the background of where we're big ESPN fans and they all of the classic sports center anchors kind of broke the mold as far as sports news was concerned by adding pop culture and personal references and adding a level of like personal flair to it with between each anchor that made you feel like you knew them and you were you like you had a personal connection with them. So that was something even when we were back at HQ, we always strived for because CrossFit is such a community oriented thing. And we're just kind of like, you know, we're just kind of normal guys anyways. You know, your classic sports fans, just normal guys training in the gym that just happen to love and love CrossFit. And so we wanted that to be a point of uh, a point of emphasis for us in the media that we produce so that people felt like they saw eye to eye with us because that's how we see the rest of the community. We, we want to stand eye to eye with them and we're all part of that, that same big ecosystem. And we do this because we love it and we want to provide value for them. And, and so naturally we're going to insert a little bit of ourselves in our media each along the way. And the podium picks in particular is something that was, we had wanted to do for forever. We used to have these, and you know, I, I say it all the time. We used to have these production meetings at HQ. We're all just sitting around in like the little war room where we would plan stuff and we would toss out ideas and everything was fair game production assistance. It didn't matter who you were, you could throw out ideas. And that's actually kind of how I got my spot on the, on the production team. And it was just such this cool creative like pot where we would like rank things and do like take other elements of sport and, and use it to categorically like, you know, place things and podium picks was a natural example of that. And then I was watching a, a YouTube video that came up on from Barstool Sports, and they're all about sports blended with pop culture and personal life. And so to, I, that just resonates with me. I love that. Um, and I'm, I'm generally a, a people person and kind of a social butterfly in that regard. So I'm like, let's insert some of like this fun, like wackiness. It might stick, it might not. But when people started to resonate with that, I was like, okay, this is, this is good because it, if people see a little bit of themselves in it and they can interact and engage with that and something that makes their voice feel a little bit heard when people are coming up and telling me like, oh, or tagging us and like, oh, these are my podium picks for this. Like I learned something about our community as well. So it's not just this one way street of like, 
we're providing value to them. Like they're providing value to us. And that's really important. And uh, to me, that just enriches the relationship that we have with everyone. And, and, and it doesn't feel so stuffy. Like we're both big, me and Sean are both big man childs. I mean, we've got like Marvel stuff and, you know, comic book things and Star Wars all over the place. And like, that's just, that's just how we are. And that's how we love to be. So we want to make sure that, you know, that, that is ever present, ever present in our media and we're authentic about it. I can't tell you how upset I got at you guys with the podium picks for breakfast cereal. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) like, like, that's how into it I get. Like, I'm like, that is trash. They've Who got to go life with this, cereal. This, this, Did someone pick life cereal? Sean, that was the heck? cinnamon life. Oh, that. <laughs> so you can tell the difference, but I, I think that's the age gap in me and Sean, because we're about a decade <laughs> apart. But you can tell that the difference in age gap is he starts to get into like his dad mode where like, you know, he's. Like raisin bran. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And grape nuts and things yeah. like that. And. You know, I'm still, all my boxes have cartoon characters on them and, but, but, yeah. that, but, but Scott, that's exactly what we want, right? Because those are right. the conversations you have with your friends, right? Most importantly, those are the ones that you feel comfortable saying like, are you kidding me? That is an absolute garbage pick. Like that <laughs> is the worst thing ever. And that, that's real. You're not holding back. And, and that, that, that is indicative, in my opinion, of a more stable and solid relationship, uh, you know, front to back. So I'm about the same age as Sean, I think, around that age. And um, when he picked grape nuts, I was screaming, I broke off teeth to that cereal. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I have two fillings in my teeth be- because of that. My, my, my grandpa used to like grape nuts, actually. Um, and that is, that is not something I will, that's not a box I'll ever entertain when I walk through the, I don't know if they still sell that. That is an old people cereal. <laughs> I mean, it just straight up is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man, I love it. All right. So um, the other thing is you've done that Friday, Friday Q and a, and the, the, you guys get pounded with questions on that and the interactivity you've developed over this year. uh, It's kind of like, it's kind of a blessing, but you don't want to call it that because of the way it happened, but Mm -hmm. it, it gave you guys another outlet where you didn't need the game's content to keep your show going. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And I think it came, I, I, Sean and I have always valued feedback. Uh, the reason why we were able to be successful at CrossFit is because, and, and this comes straight, almost straight from the level one program, is they have a feedback loop unlike anything else. Like there's no holding back in terms of providing feedback, hearing everybody's voice, making sure everyone's heard and gathering as much information as they can to make educated decisions on training and all of those things. So we tried to emulate that on the media team. And like I said, in those, those production meetings, anyone could speak up. It didn't matter where you were on the totem pole. I was a direct benefit of that. And I think that in bringing more minds and more perspectives and opinions in, into the fold is never a bad thing, right? It's, uh, to, it's you know, it kind of goes with like, the more you travel, like the, the more wise you become about how the world actually works because you get to see all those varying opinions and perspectives. So we wanted to do that with the people that were digesting our media, you know? And like I said, we didn't want it to be a one-way street. So the, the Q&A was, was just, you know, we've always wanted to do a few of those, a handful of those. And then it kind of got into a rhythm where like, we looked forward to them on Fridays now. And especially during a pandemic when there's such a shortage of like human connection, 
and people mm-hmm. are like cooped up and, and really searching out for that, like t- that level of connection with people and some familiarity. I felt like it was as much a therapeutic process for us as it was something that we've trying to provide for, for our fans. And, and now it's something that, like I said, me and Sean look forward to every day. We get to talk and, and, and hear what everybody's talking about in the community. And it's not just CrossFit, you know, the Mandalorian drops every Friday. And so we're usually getting questions about that. And we get to talk about life and, you know, Sean's baby getting bigger every time I see him and, you know, all the little ins and outs. And it's, it's like a good, it's a good catch up every Friday at friends that maybe used to take place at a bar after work over a beer that we don't get to do anymore, or at least for the time being, but we can still do it, you know, digitally on YouTube. What, what I love about that aspect is you guys don't know the questions until you're live right there on the air, right? So, mm-hmm. so Sean will say something or, or you'll say something and the other one reacts and maybe in an opposite direction. And then you have this like, can we come together moment? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. I, I think that is part of the beauty of that, that Q&A. Yeah, it, and I think... You know, and I'm so I'm so grateful for Sean. You know, he's like a brother to me, and we've had to deal with a lot the last two years. You know, side by side in this kind of journey and figuring out how we're going to continue to stay involved, and um, that involves that that requires and involves a lot of trust going throughout the process. And part of having that trust means that we're not always going to agree with one another or agree with the other viewpoint, or one of us might not agree with the direction that we're headed, that we, but we, we're willing to trust the other person enough that we're willing to set us, our own opinions and notions aside for the sake of potential success. Like, I'm willing to be wrong if it's going to be for the greater good of both of us. And, you know, Sean's done that for me when I wanted to, I'm a little bit more reckless uh, when I want to go out and do this and do that. And Sean's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, like let's pump the brakes a little bit. Or when I, it, through my recklessness, get a little bit off track and Sean's like, no, we need to do this. Like, let's bring it back. And that works both ways. And so I think you see a little bit of that naturally play out in real time at the, at the Q&A, which is cool because I think that I, I think, I like not having the facade of everything being so polished and everything being so prepared and like fake, I guess. Um, I think that sometimes, especially, and I don't want to get too down this rabbit hole. I feel like sometimes too much of that can be presented on social media and the nature of social media. Um, We want there to be some substance behind it. And so, and you know, I, I'm glad that that at least that it comes out a little bit uh, in the Q and a and us problem, problem solving on the fly. Yeah, I, I find that our episodes do better when we when there's some conflict. Not that we're like yelling at each other or or being disrespectful. It's just when there's a good discussion going. That's when that's when people listen more and and it's more real. It's not it's not drummed up. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you. I was gonna say you look at, and this is a little bit more drummed up now. But first take and uh, on ESPN and. What is the Undisputed on Fox, which is a direct spinoff of First Take? Those are the two most watched shows, you know, on television, along with Pardon the Interruption, you know, Around the Horn. And those are all people providing hot takes in opposition of one another. There's conflict, there's disagreement, there's people pitching their ideas. And I mean, those that didn't exist before. And now they're the, the hottest shows on television, so much so that other networks are are copying that and trying to create their own version of that so there's definitely something to it although 
I, I think Sean and I will stop short of uh, manufacturing conflict between us. <laughs> right. Yeah, we don't have to manufacture ours. The, la the ladies tell me what, when I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> so I have, I have two more quick questions before we kind of get into the year in review. Mm -hmm. and, and the first one is it's about that organic thing. And when you guys do your podium picks, do you let each other know at all what you've picked? No. <laughs> so we, 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 st we used to, we used to have them on a, on a document, we would place them. And that's how it was when it was in the body of our sh original show before we split it off into its own segment. And then I started to see some, uh, some like, we started to work in parallel a little bit. I'd see his and be like, oh, that's, that's a good idea. Maybe I want that one. And it'd start to influence my pick. And then I'd look back and like, you know what? Maybe that wasn't actually my true podium. And so we felt like, all right, let's keep it close to the vest. Let's treat it like, you know, it's, you know, we're both two sides of the courtroom presenting our cases to each other. And then, you know, I think that you get a little bit more of a true representation of our podiums in that instance. And, and it's, and you get that real, real reaction, right? Because if I forget something, I don't want Sean to bail me out. And then I get to pick that, you know, and, and play off of his research. So if I forgot a moment that probably should have been on mine, I get that reaction. And I'm like, all, yeah. all, all power to you because you thought of it and I didn't and you get credit for that. Yeah, the, when you guys did the invitational um, podiums, that went back and forth a couple times like, oh, I forgot about that one. And that, that was pretty cool. So yeah, I like that. The next question is a little more self-serving and then we'll move into to more broader spectrum. But so we've only been at this just over a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we're starting to get into where we get a couple trolls uh, a couple, a couple hate um, shots at us uh, online. How do you guys deal with that? I know you have a much bigger audience than we do right now, and and I'm sure you get those as well. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, if you heard that, sorry, I think my phone rang in real quick. I'm going to put it on do not disturb, so that doesn't happen again. But the uh, so this this is a kind of a complicated subject. So one of the things, or I felt like I felt like I'm like built. <laughs> to tackle tackle trolls on social media like it's one of the things that i really enjoy and i uh when i was working for crossfit before i was primarily an on-camera analyst and started working in that realm you know i was i was monitoring some of the social media posts and stuff around it and people i mean crossfit is like just ripe with trolls and i i would take pride in systematically taking their argument, picking it apart, presenting a counter argument as to why that was off base and saying it in a way that was very polite and respectful. And ultimately basically was the, the, the end, the game ender for that. And I found time and time again, a lot of those people just are just looking for attention. And so when you give them that attention, but you give it to them in a way that's uh, calculated, respectful, but also presents a clear and concise kind of counterpoint, the amount of times I've had people apologize on social media is insane. And I would have never guessed that. And that just doesn't sound like social media, right? Like nobody apologizes. People just, you know, rabble and argue and stuff like that. And, and so that has always kind of been my, my thing. Like you, you kill them with kindness by making your response respectful, respectful, but make sure if you're going to respond, it's as well thought out and it's as like locked tight as possible. So I, I would, because for me, a lot of times it was arguments about the sport and I would just provide data set and I'd be like, the numbers just don't support this. I'm sorry. 
Um, and that's kind of how we knocked it down. We, we will get people naysaying and trolling kind of now. I, I just actually had one recently um, talking, kind of talking about uh, someone that vehemently disagreed with how we handled the, the Diablo CrossFit affiliate, like fighting back kind of situation. And, you know, I, I will let them know up front that like, hey, we may not come to, we may not see eye to eye here. And I just want you to know that's totally okay. Uh, I want to disarm that bomb before we get going. And as the minute I start to feel my like blood boil a little bit, then I know I need to step away and not hit send. But that's just kind of, to me, that, that, that feels like a little bit of common sense. So I try to respond as much as possible. And if I do, I do it as respectfully as possible. And I make sure I bring the the most airtight, you know, comment or discussion or refutal of their, or whatever their, their stance is. So I'm curious, what is the, what is the, the trolling and the, the hatred you guys are getting? So it, it's just started. Um, okay. And I think in, in this last case, it is, it's a super fan of one individual who they don't think we're giving enough due to. Mm. And, and um, just to give you an example of, it, it, you're right. If you have the numbers and the facts to back you up, then it's all good. They said that, and it, this was a wrap-up show for the games, said that we bowed down to Tia and Matt. How you can't give them their due after winning their fourth and fifth consecutive title, they, they, they should be the star of the show, right? 100%. It pays <laughs> to so, be a winner. You know, <laughs> we didn't give this person's uh, athlete enough do according to them and so they they uh they said we should change the name of our show to, to a derogatory comment and uh, <laughs> well scott your response was great and i love that you opened up with thanks so much for listening it was like <laughs> you know appreciate appreciate you listening and then let me tell you why you know we did what we did which is great i mean that's that's uh i I, I love that because right away it shows some gratitude and it kind of disarms yep. the like, well, I'm, I'm acknowledging that you're supporting the podcast and everything like that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's tough, man. I mean, it's like, we're, it's like saying those are the people that voted against the voted for Karma alone during the Michael Jordan era, you know, yeah. like, it's like, I get it. It gets tired and uh, tiring for some people who are fans of other people. But if they want the spotlight, then they can go and win. And if they can't win, then this is a, and, and as I, I lose out of this sometimes, this sport, the, 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 the primary goal, first and foremost, is to crown the fittest man and woman on earth. That's where, that's where tier one starts and stops. And that was what we were reminded constantly of at HQ. And for a long time, we had the benefit of also saying, you know, the, the second, third, fourth, fifth fittest man on earth, and that being accolades into of itself, with all the change, all the changes, and all the the shifting that's happened, it's really kind of refocused on the primary goal of crowning the fittest. So naturally, media would reflect that, right? Um, in all of these right. things, and all of the, like the one thing that has been constant through the last four years, through all the changes and stuff, is Matt and Tia's place in the sport. So why shouldn't we celebrate that? If that is our shining beacon of the sport's efficacy and and what the sport can be at its purest, then man, some some people like you know some people don't like Santa Claus, <laughs> uh, you know some people 
don't like hugs or or smiling and you know it's just yeah it's like it, i told it, the team if you're if you're not saying something that upsets somebody at at some point then you're not doing your job by by giving your opinion mm-hmm. online and and i feel like when you we start getting contradictory opinions we're we're kind of making it right mm-hmm. and so you know i th- i think it's all good and we'll just keep doing the advice you gave is perfect it's the tact I took today, but I just wanted to see like how you guys dealt with it too, just to, to compare notes a little bit. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll keep watch on the social media too. Next time I'll maybe hop in there and, you know, <laughs> roll around with someone on Instagram and, and, and uh, maybe flesh out some responses as well. I got your back. Okay, cool. So, so what I want to do now is I'm going to do year in review kind of, and what I do have is I just have a list of topics uh, I'm going to throw out the topic and we can discuss it and kind of see what your opinion is. And so my first topic is the change at the top. Ooh. All right. We're starting off strong. So um, obviously the change in ownership in the new era of CrossFit Inc. as a company for the first time, there's an, there's an owner that doesn't rhyme with leg Lassman. And <laughs> I would say, This was something that had, was a long time coming, but I also thought would never come. So, uh, you know, there was, there's a term in, in like the Silicon Valley business tech sector called founder syndrome, where the growth and, and, and reach of a company expands beyond the, the, I guess you would say the, the natural ef- efficacy of its founder, but the founder's unwillingness to relinquish power and control over the company can stifle it and ultimately cause it to crash and burn. And I I don't think CrossFit was quite there yet, but I think it was quite apparent that the views and feelings of the community were no longer reflected by who was controlling it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think, I, honestly, I can't be as more optimistic about the direction that we're heading right now because of the change and the, the fresh set of eyes and the fresh set of hands and dollars and all of the things that go into running this company. And um, I think there's going to be some, obviously, growing pains and bumps to get over and learning learning that needs to happen. But the it kind of goes back to the pandemic situation where I wouldn't wish it under any of these circumstances because some very hurtful and awful things were said and done that ultimately uh, spurred this change. But I think a lot of people can take solace in the, the outcome and use that as a rallying point and focal point to hopefully build something bigger and brighter that can erase, I don't want to say erase, but outweigh those those transgressions of the past if that makes sense so a couple things that i found during that time very um enlightening was those of you who were inside the building you could see the hurt on your on your face as we were going through that right but you knew you knew it had to happen like so you were very conflicted watching that kind of transpire Mm -hmm. um and it was almost like the community and the methodology had to be protected. And so all of you kind of did that because you didn't want it to go away. 
mm-hmm. but you were conflicted because of what was going on behind the the curtain and and trying to like keep that away from the public so that so that we could keep moving forward and then it hit a point where it just blew up yeah and and it's tough too right because crossfit was such a counterculture movement for so long that we we've spent you know the last dozen or so years really trying to open it up to a broader audience because what was once this like kind of rogue workout system that was done in these like dirty gyms and made these people like celebrate like ripped hands and stuff like that like that was yeah that was the roots of the community but we were really trying to focus on a broader message a broader health message a broader um you know fitness message for people globally to do some really good work and it was we were starting to get traction you know especially in 2018 uh both on the sports side and as a, as a result of the sports popularity, the affiliate side, and more and more people were doing CrossFit, more and more people were reaping the benefits. And, um, and so you have to separate your, I, and this is tough because I feel like, and I'm not a parent, but I have to imagine that it's kind of like putting your kid out into the world for the first time. We're like, you have to trust that what you built and what you helped cultivate is strong enough to withstand the stress tests that, uh, that, ultimately you're going to get handed in the lessons that are going to get handed down. So it kind of felt like that moment, right? Like I understand. And we kind of knew uh, we were a little bit insulated in our office. And I've said this before our office in Scotts Valley was very isolated from a lot of the, thankfully from a lot of the horrible stuff that went on because we were just kind of in our own corner of the world and we were allowed to operate as a media team. And, you know, we actually had a kind of a cool workspace, but, uh, we cut, there were some things and murmurings and rumors you kind of heard that you were like, really, is that, is that the situation? And as they start to come to light, you're like, okay, this, this kind of makes sense. And, um, you know, and when you walk through what was happening and what, what the accusations were and what had been said and what all these things that were going on, you're like, okay, this person, you know, some, you know, they're getting their due, right? Like they're, this is, they're, this is kind of karma coming back around. But, you know, you don't want it to be at the expense of all the other good things that came that were tied to that name. And so it was, it was tough. I, Sean and I really tried to focus on making sure we separate, we, we distinguished the, the difference between the two. Like that we, and I, I said this on our show, that we were able to distinguish the man from the methodology. And that was very important because yeah. that was what's going, that doing so and identifying what the methodology does separate from the, the personal shortcomings of the person who created it will allow it to ultimately live on well beyond that. And then I, that was with the understanding that we thought that the captain was going to go down with the ship. Like we thought he would never sell. That was what, one of the, one of the few sentences he spoke to me while I was in, while I was out uh, a, an employee involved a few choice words, but basically saying when the original buyout was attempted to happen in 2014 with Anthos Capital, uh, basically saying that he would, he would never relinquish it. Like they can, you know, more or less they could pry it out of my, my cold dead hands kind of situation. And at the time that was super empowering. Right. But um, in this instance, you know, it needed to happen and thankfully it happened. And I think the community will be better for it. And, and uh, man, just kind of like walking through it right now, it still feels a little surreal. It was like this, like, 
yeah, but, I don't know. It's, and it's, the it's, crazy it's, thing is it feels like 10 years ago, but it was six months ago. It, it does. <laughs> I'm like, was that yesterday or in like 2004 or like what's going on? Yeah. I, think, I think that's the nature of 2020, man. We're like, bring it back because I haven't said a Marvel reference. It feels like we're in the time heist, jumping back and forth between timelines. And, uh, you know, it all, it's all in one sequence, but you never know what day or time it was. And that, um, that, that week in June, I mean, it's, it's like the double-edged sword of being in news, right? Like you have more than you'll ever need to talk about, but it's not things that you necessarily want to talk about. Like, yeah. And it's, it, it's funny because at the beginning of this, you said, we, you know, would, would we be able to get through this season without the sanctionals? Well, we didn't know what was to come. And there was plenty of t- to talk about if you were doing media in CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny. I, I got interviewed by some publications for everything that was going on, some major publications that I don't, maybe as a young, young man had always dreamed about, you know, having an interview with some like very high, highbrow publications, but I never imagined that I would be interviewed by them. Ultimately, some of those interviews and those, those pieces never ran, but I never imagined that the, it would be for like why my ex-boss was being a jerk <laughs> and I would, I would hope it was because I did something cool, but <laughs> oh well. So, so let's go to a little more uplifting topic and, and it, that's still probably uplifting because I think we are heading in a good direction, yeah. uh, but uh, let's talk online comps. Mm. You know, we, this was the first year that we had to rely on doing online competitions uh, based on the pandemic and your thoughts of the rogue and phase one of the games. Yeah, I, I uh, and you know, this kind of comes back to if there if there are some things and I, I, Sean, have I, Sean and I have reflected on what will sanctionals and these two years kind of what would their place in history be ultimately. And I think the one thing that sanctioned events, whether they become the new CrossFit partner events going forward, they can, I think they can take pride in expanding the horizons of the CrossFit community of what's possible for CrossFit competition in a reasonable and fair manner. Rogue Invitational, obviously, like, Rogue just continually impresses with the things that they're able to pull off, right? Like, you know, I, I feel like the next major world issue that we need, we just need to send the Rogue team in there. I, I don't even know what they would do or what it would be, but you just, you know what, you give them, you give them like six months and they'll find a way to, to build enough infrastructure to solve whatever problem that they need. And I, that, that was really cool. And I think we're going to see some things that come out of that going forward with some stuff that I like the trials that are coming from loud and live that I think are, are building off of that. And I think uh, it, there's a parallel of that between Sean and I's personal journey, right? Like we were, we were very comfortable and we were very happy in our jobs in HQ, but being forced outside of the box required us to build and develop new skills and open our eyes to new things. And, you know, like I said, expand the margins of our horizons and, I think uh, the online comps have really stepped up to the plate to show that whether it was the rogue invitational, whether it was the, the, um, the 24 hour broadcast from loud and live that they did for, um, for United and movement. I think stage one was uh, another experimental phase. Uh, there were some elements behind it. And um, a lot of people were like, well, why didn't they do it like rogue? Why didn't they do it like rogue? So they could see it live simultaneously. Well, there were some issues with fairness and athletes weren't going to sign on for, a similar format to rogue so there were some things that they had to do obviously they learned ways to do that better and present that better 
but it was, you know, also under a short timeline. But I think what it ultimately does is now sets us in a place to look forward to 2021 with a little bit more optimism about what can reasonably be pulled off and how to competently carry out this season now when we, you know, we're still going to, we're still not quite sure how everything's going to play out, but in the very least we have the structure now. Right. I, I actually got to be a part of the rogue thing. I judged one of the athletes. Oh, awesome. So I had an earpiece in and I'm communicating with everybody around the world at the same time so that we can, we can lift off at the exact same moment to make this thing run. It was, it was unbelievable. Uh, I'm so glad I got to be a part of it and to kind of see behind the curtain of that event. Uh, Cause it was, it was phenomenal. Hopefully you didn't have like any of the producers or directors in your ear at all or anything like that. Like they didn't leave your earpiece open during the event. Cause that can get wild in the truck. I'll tell you. No, no, we, we just had the head judge. Okay. Uh, which was, was another cool thing. Cause they had cameras, the head judge was watching the athlete. They were giving us cues into our ear as the, the events were going on. Oh, Cause that's they, they weren't there to do it in person. Like they normally would. Mm-hmm. That's cool though. I, I didn't know that about the head judge. That's, that's actually like, pretty neat that they were able to accomplish that. Um, I can only imagine that must've been a cool feeling to be, to be down there. Like I will say like for, it doesn't matter how many times I go to an event or see people like hearing things like that. Like I feel like I'm a fan again, just like getting to like geek out on those kind of details. When you got to spend the whole weekend with the athletes, you got to kind of see the behind the scenes of how they prep, how they're looking at the next event, how they're warming up. You got to see that whole process. And as a, you know, I started this thing as a, as a fan, and so to get to see that behind the scenes was really cool. Yeah. That, I mean, that's like, and that's another thing, like, right? Like without this, and then it's always, you know, kind of a glass half full type thing, but without the pandemic and everything that happened, like you would have never probably ever gotten that, that unique, intimate viewpoint, um, you know, which also I think I'm really excited for Heber and Marston's documentary to come out because I think people are going to get a really intimate look at the games and behind the scenes as well. And so we're getting a, a, a different perspective that we wouldn't otherwise uh, have gotten. And that's, who knows, there might be, there's, there's probably information and things to be learned and gleaned from to make, you know, the product better when we get back to, you know, quote unquote, normal, normal times. So the next topic I have, and this, this was probably a short one is, kind of the uh, boom of coaching squads. So you have all these coaches or, or organizations that are coaching athletes and they're starting to like get little pods all over the country, you know, Justin Cutler and mayhem and Bergeron and uh, think training think tank and all of that. And it's just seemed to boom this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It kind of goes in waves too, right? Like, if you remember like back in 2000, Dan Bailey has trained with basically everybody, you know, back in 2011, he trained, you know, with, I think he trained with Miko back then. Then he trained with Rich, then he trained with Josh and he lived on a boat. So I think there was, <laughs> there was some, there were some elements of people like getting together. There was the NorCal CrossFit crew back in the day with Kalipa and all of them. And you had, Invi- Invi- yeah. yeah, Miranda and Invictus has always had a relatively strong stable, but normally that, that revolved around the team competition, right? Invictus, NorCal always had strong teams, which had to, you know, attract a a wider swath of athletes. But I think now especially, and maybe this is highlighted by the pandemic, or maybe it's just, you know, natural, like natural evolution of the sport. 
But I think consistently having people that are better than you in certain avenues or can push you on a regular basis just always makes you always make you better. The, the people that can really maximize their potential alone, you know, th- with just their coach or whatever is, is very few and far between. And I think, I mean, generally speaking, I think we're kind of pack animals. So yeah. uh, I, I think, I think when we have a, a pack to train with and people to push and bounce ideas off of it, it we can, we can see the rewards even at the tip of the spear with Matt and Tia, when they get to, you know, go toe to toe every year. And we've seen, you know, we've seen the results. Yeah. Uh, so now I want to move into the games. Uh, what role did you get to play this year? I know you were working with morning chalk up. I don't know if you, were you able to get inside or were you? I was not, I was, uh, you know, I was the kid that, that, that didn't get picked for kickball. It's just standing on the outside of the fence, just watching from watching longedly as like, you know, a piano riff cuts into cuts into the movie. But um, I, I covered it with morning chalk up. We, we were, I was basically watching all the live stream from home for day one. And then um, once we saw that uh, fans were showing up to the Morgan Hill outdoor sport complex and lining the fences, I was like, well, I got to be there. Like I live just over the hill from that. That's like 10 minutes from Sean's house. I'm going to be there, start interviewing people. I recognized a lot of the people because some of them were from my, my, the gym in my hometown. So I'm like, all right, let's go get some content there. Let's go explore a little bit and, and interview some people. And um, we had a pretty, a pretty straightforward content plan for Morning Chaco with daily recaps and stuff like that. So it was a little bit different role, that's for sure. Uh, I think I was, I'm a little bit used to games week just being organized chaos and, um, you know, just having IV drips of, of caffeine, like, and whatever's and whatever pre-workout I can get my hands on, like being like the norm, but it just wasn't the case this year. I got to sleep in my own bed. You know, I, I got, I got to sleep before 2am. I wasn't in a, uh, an RV this year camping with Heber and Marson. So it was just like totally different vibe of it. And it was nice, but, um, you know, I'm excited for when we, we can all be back on site and kind of celebrating fitness accordingly. Um, what are your thoughts of the way they pulled it off? Uh, cause we didn't honestly, like we said, I, it, we had to have said at least 50 times, there's no way the games are going to happen this year. Yeah. And you know, Pat specifically me, yeah, I'm always <laughs> the naysayer. Oh, <laughs> man. Happen. Yeah. Okay. So I, we're, we're figuring out the, the lines here, the pessimist of the group. Yes. Kinda, okay. No, it's a, I'm a poly pragmatist. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, um, <laughs> Oh, my buddy has a really good quote about uh, people that call themselves that are, say they're pragmatic. It's it basically Uh-oh. it basically it's it's pessimism coated in sugar. So it's uh, something. It's, it's, I like sugar. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's funny, and I think this is where this is. You know, Castro is a very polarizing figure for a lot of people, but the one thing that you can never call him is a quitter, and uh, he does not quit. And he is as stubborn and headstrong as almost anyone that I've ever met. And I've known him for over a decade. And um, not at, at no point did he, I mean, he, he mentioned on the podcast, you know, we had to entertain the idea of not doing the games. But he always felt like there was a way, you know. And um, I've always used the analogy that the CrossFit community is water going downhill. It doesn't matter what you put in front of it. It's going to find its way to the bottom. It's going to move and shift and, and zig and zag and 
he had that mentality the whole time and he felt like there was a way that it could be done. And I think that belief, even in the face of a lot of people saying, why are you even doing it? You're not going to be able to do it. What's going on? This isn't important. I think, uh, I think there's a lot, he deserves him and the games team deserve a lot of credit for, you know, sticking with the plan and doing so in a way that was both safe and reasonable and provided a good product. Maybe they could have done 10, 10 athletes. Maybe they could have done more, but I think that adds variables to the equation and they knew that they could pull this off and they knew that they could, they could put together a decent product this way. And it's almost like a lesson in scaling, right? Like, you know, they maybe could, maybe could have gone for that CX weight on the thruster, but they decided that, you know what, we're going to scale it back and we're going to hammer this. And, we're, and, you know, when they look back, they can feel, you know, proud about their accomplishment. I think it, the forethought was, I, di- I didn't see why the effort was going into it, but the hindsight is, I think that was so important to pull it off with the new ownership uh, to see that we're going in a direction uh, that that's going to be pretty cool and they're open to different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was what was the coolest part of it. They changed my mind. Cause I, you know, I was like, it's a mess. They need to clean up shop everywhere. Why the games, why the games. And then after it was done, I was like, it shows that they can do it and that they're open-minded and the community Problem got solvers. to see that. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's what I was most impressed. And I think for being from the side and, and, and talking to Eric Rosing, we got to go to his house and, and interview him. And it, it wasn't like pulling off the games necessarily hindered them from addressing all of these other things simultaneously. And I think that's, that speaks to the type of business that they're trying to run where it's like, this is big boy business now where you can, you can be a global entity and managing all these different arms at yeah. once. Yeah. Juggling exactly. And, and, you know, focusing on the games and pulling off the games in, in that fashion doesn't demand that they give up, you know, all the work that they're, uh, that they're focused on for inclusivity for 2021, you know, addressing the social justice issues and all of the things that are going on. And I think that was important and impressive to me. I'm generally an optimist. I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. It'll work out, you know, and maybe that's my own big boyish night naivety, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm super happy with what they were able to pull off. And I think that a lot of the community was happy and relieved to see that first broadcast go live and just see Matt Fraser out on the competition floor exercising. And you're just right. like, Oh, something kind of normal. And I think that's, that's important for us to have sometimes above all else, just to have that sense and something we can hang our hat on. Yeah. So you, this isn't even in my notes, but you said you went to Eric Rose's house uh, and that was a great episode. Uh, I, I think that thing got shared a ton. Uh, what was it like being inside the new CEO's house? It was, it was surreal. You know, it's funny. The, the way the day worked was Sean and I flew in the night before and we stayed at a hotel that was like right across the street from his affiliate CrossFit Sanitas. And his assistant, Parisa, uh, who actually found the job or found out about the opportunity and like investigated the job to work as Eric's assistant through our podcast, actually. Uh, oh, wow. She heard about a new ownership and was like, oh, I think he might need an executive assistant. Or I'm familiar with CrossFit. I could do that. So she let us, she told us that afterwards. She's a Santa Cruz native, which, you know, which is even cooler. And um, 
she set us up. She's like, Hey, do you want to work out with Eric in the morning class at 7am? I'll reserve you guys spots. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, yeah. And so I kind of like pinched myself because here I was getting into like a dumbbell deadlift and box jump race with the owner of CEO and CEO of CrossFit at his affiliate during a class time, like in in his hometown and his town. And I'm like, what twilight episode uh, twilight zone episode am i in because i had never like this is like just something i thought would never happen if you had told me you know six months prior that you're going to be working out with the owner of crossfit regard like nameless you know you're going to be working out with the owner of crossfit in his affiliate you know side by side and you're going to have to push to beat him in a workout i'd be like are you okay like <laughs> do we need to like send help or something like that and, and that, that was the case and it was it was kind of a cool starting point to then go to his house and the fact that i think it speaks a lot that he was willing to invite us into his home you know it's like it's it was very clear and i think i hope it came across in the interview that he's a he's a very sentimental and thoughtful person both with family and all the things that he's that he's had to endure personally with his with his home life and so i think you know that house and that home was his place of refuge following some really difficult things and that he was willing to open it up to two you know, CrossFit fanboys like me and Sean to come in and interview him was, I mean, I thought spoke volumes and he's, he blocked out extra time and he had a lovely home, you know, and it, it was just, it was just one of those things that like, it, oh, I just dropped my mic. It felt like, it felt like, uh, like things were, were kind of like, as they should be in the world. Like Sean and I, like, we're happy that we get to do what we, what we love and, and, interviewing and talking to people we get to be with this new owner of crossfit that genuinely loves the community we think what wants what's best and we're you know getting to explore and travel and do all of these things and it was like one of those moments where like man we were on such a high when we went to lunch afterwards also they gave us a great lunch recommendation like they, they were like, like everything was just awesome about the trip they like you know, they're like, oh, go to this barbecue place. And I went to the barbecue place. And the barbecue was phenomenal, you know. But it's just like one of those little cherries on top. Um, but it, it, overall, it was just one of those things where, like, this feels like things are moving in the, in the right direction. And, you know, I don't like to be selfish in that manner. But, like, for us, it's like, man, it feels like things are starting to turn back in our favor a little bit, you know. Like, it feels like we're not fighting uphill anymore. And it's like, it's one thing to make progress when you're like fighting uphill. And it's another thing to like be able to make progress when it's just flat or even <laughs> downhill a little bit, you know, and, and that, that, yeah. that was just a nice feeling to have. And, and it seems like with Eric too, there's this like mutual respect amongst him and the folks that have supported the sport for so long that maybe aren't necessarily part of CrossFit anymore, but he, he's just as much a fanboy as you guys are of the whole ecosystem that he's now in charge of. So I think that that speaks volumes to sort of the balance of power. You know, there's, he's, he's willing to work with everybody and he, he treats everyone as if they're as important as he is to the equation. Mm -hmm. and, and there was a, the, it sounds weird, but there was a, there was a very, very striking level of like human decency that I found very important. And it was weird that I was, I have to say that, you know, um, because everything kind of happened when it felt like the the discourse happening online around the community in the world in general where there was just kind of this glaring lack of human decency person uh, like on an interpersonal level like 
we've kind of like lost touch and Eric has said it repeatedly, like of the common humanity amongst all of us. And that was very evident in just our interactions with him. And I think that speaks volumes to him as a person um, that in just a casual conversation, sitting around ch chatting over coffee, working out together, that you can identify that common humanity with people right away. And that's very refreshing in this time. And it was a nice reminder of, I guess, some of the common threads amongst the community that make CrossFit great in the first place. And for us, that was, that was like a supercharger for us, like energy wise, like this is like, he may make mistakes. He may not make all the decisions that we agree with, but there's a baseline level of decency here that, that I can rely on, on a personal level to ultimately know that the CrossFit community is going to come out this other side better. So I know we're, we're pressed for time now, and, but I want to get a really quick question in about what happened today. Okay. Uh, we are recording this on 12-17, and CrossFit released the structure for what next season is going to be. And I, and I know you did a write-up really quick for Morning Chalk Up, like right mm -hmm. after it was released. I want to get your thoughts on that, and, uh, and then we'll let you go to respect your time. Oh. But, but real quick. I, I, I have no one to blame. I talk a lot, so I'm the <laughs> one that usually just blows through timelines, so no worries about the time. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, a lot of this falls in line with what we had kind of suspected as far as a, a move to a more traditional funnel-type system that was present with the old regional system. I, I thought there might be more than 10 events but 10 seems reasonable, I think, overall. And it was more than there were for regionals. I like the added, intermediate, added intermediary step with the quarterfinals. Um, I think it's another way of adding fil a filtering process that gives more people opportunity to, to compete. And that was something that Castro reiterated in one of his interviews with us. He wanted to make sure that that more people had an opportunity to compete for longer while still making it a legitimate competition. Eric said something about that specifically referring to the age group divisions in our interview, but I think it's worth noting. And I wrote it in the article that like the 10% moving forward is significantly more athletes that'll get to move on beyond the open than was in the old regional system. You know, 10% versus 0.3% is what the regional athletes represent. And that's including the teams. So that's a significant upgrade in people that maybe want to cut their teeth a little bit more and have maybe still have some skills and things that they want to showcase. And it's just more participation too. I think at this point in time, it's something that the sport needs. So I think it adds some inclusivity. The adaptive division is phenomenal. We were, I was super stoked. We, we did an interview with uh, Logan Aldridge and we also did one with, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. I'm blanking. Alec. Uh, Alec, yes. Oh no, not. I wasn't. I talked to Alec, but it, but we did we did an interview with um, one of the wheelchair athletes who represents Wilwad. It's killing me right now. I I feel so bad that I'm forgetting. Um, but I, I Stouty wasn't Stouty. Was it wasn't Stouty either. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> Sorry. Me. I'm like I'm normally good. Play the game. Ogar. Nope. I'm normally really good with names, and I complete. I'm completely blanking. Um, but I apologize. He's listening. Uh, but yeah, so like a lot of those developments that I felt like were a long time coming, the adaptive division, 
I'm really curious to see who those events are, are going to be, the 10 event partners. I think that's going to be a very important decision. I think that might be one of the most important decisions about this new season period because that's effectively going to dictate who are going to be the major players in the sp space for the foreseeable future. And not every sanctioning, sanctioned event last year got to actually see what their, their – got to see their plans play out. And that, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow for some people. And um, so I'm really curious to see that. Um, I love the last chance qualifier. That is, that might be, I've got a little bit of a riverboat gambler like spirit in my, in me. And I love like this, just like backs against the wall, like everything, everything, you know, nothing to lose type mindset behind a last chance qualifier. We pitched the idea for years of it doing a last chance qualifier, like a week before the games in Las Vegas. So you basically got to like, throw down, maybe celebrate a little bit, take, you know, take, what is it? I, is it, what, what, there's an interstate road that goes between LA and Vegas. Mm -hmm. And then you just hop on and go to Carson and then roll right into the games. And I always thought that would be a fun idea, but I think having a last chance qualifier is cool because you do see some, some, some people that ultimately the filtering process missed that can maybe could have done some damage at the game. So, or even those, injury or illness. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like yeah. a wild card with, with a little more, clout to it yeah it's an efficacy based wild card which i always yeah. I, I i like way better than just handing out <laughs> handing out to people but uh um for the most part there's 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 some nuts and bolts that still have to be announced but i i was very happy with what was announced for the most part i think a lot of people are going to be curious how many spots the age group uh, athletes get at the games that was a big point of discussion uh, when they got their numbers cut and there's such a large proportion of the competitive CrossFit community taking up almost 50% of open registration back in 2018 when it was at its peak. So as long as they continue to build off of that, I think the season structure in place makes a lot of sense as a, from the media side standpoint, being able to say, all right, you go from here to here, to here, to here, almost like a natural, like this is the first round quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. That just makes sense as a storyteller. And that, that allows you to build momentum for the storytelling as the, the, the season goes along and it, and it, and it means that each one of those stages has a little bit more meaning to them when you can't just say, Oh, well, I didn't make it. I'm just going to catch a plane flight over here and go. Not that that was necessarily a bad thing, but I think for the ultimate commercial, and I don't want to say it in a bad way, but the commercial commercialization of the sport to be able to bring it to a broader, broader audience, you need to have those, that reliable storytelling to be able to, to put it out there. The fact that you can use the names quarterfinals, semifinals, final means that we're getting in a better direction. I love the quarterfinal because it gives the everyday athlete something to shoot for. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually looking in the Morning Chalk Up comments to your story, and they were some people were saying that three events in the open isn't enough to like determine who the fittest are. If you're the fittest on earth, and you can't say there's 400 signups, 400,000 signups for the open. That's 40,000 people moving on to the quarterfinal. If you're an elite athlete, you should be able to get in the top 40,000 to move on. And that's assuming we only get three tests in each yeah, you'll week. You'll get more. Right. Yeah. We're going to get the, the 15. We, me and, a and B. <laughs> me and Sean used to always say 15.1 A, because that's how Castro <laughs> signaled it when he does like the, the like, painstakingly long pauses during the announcements, but we're going to get one of the, we have to get one of those. Uh, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get a little bit to cut our teeth on. Fun fact that the open starts a day after my birthday. So I'm hoping Castro throws me a bone and maybe throws in some double unders and deadlifts just 
ascending ladder for time and that's all we have to do so <laughs> that would be nice yeah i will say i got really good at um going through when the open was after the sanctional started and the backfilling like i actually had a lot of fun trying to figure that out mm. so i am going to miss that but i understand that it's not really you know fan friendly in terms of following the sport do you like puzzles love puzzles yes. <laughs> okay i was gonna say i could i could probably tell just from that i i enjoy that backfill stuff too i love like yeah. doing all of that and um but i can understand that like when i'm trying to say it in like a 10 second window yeah. on air and i'm like well sean you know he originally had a spot here but that got backfilled then the open happened and now it goes to this person who had a spot here and then it's yeah. it a little while. There's only 0.3% of us nerds that like right, to follow like that. that stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm, I'm one as well, but it was hard to communicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it's, I, I want to be able to like, when my friends ask me about it or my, you know, my aunt and uncle ask me about it or, you know, sure. my fiance's grandma asked me about it. I want to be able to explain it to them and not be like, all right, it starts in Dubai and this guy, <laughs> But then there was this online competition that happened, which switched the spot to Argentina. And then it went around and she's just like, all right, you lost yeah. me. She's already cracked open a bottle of wine. <laughs> do you think, um, do we know how many people are going to get to the semifinals? They haven't, they they haven't, haven't said that, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm hoping haven't. that that becomes kind of like phase one of the CrossFit mm -hmm. Games, mm -hmm. potentially, you know, and that we really do get down to some manageable numbers, perhaps um, in Madison. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, th I think. Um, I think they, the contingency plans that they had talked about for being able to bring every step of the way online will, will kind of reflect right. that, will be a big element of that. Um, what, I, what I really like is, and I understand that this, this may not be a common popular opinion, but recondensing the sanctional schedule into a four-week window where you have 10 events across four weekends, that to me adds a level of importance to you have to perform here and now and these four weekends determine your fate kind of situation that I think is kind of ever present in sport at the highest level everywhere else. You know, sure. it's like, it's the March Madness NCAA tournament. You know, it's this month of like, you got to run the gauntlet. It's, it's, you know, the NFL playoffs, you have these three week, three, four weeks that you got to go. And to me that adds, you know, it, it adds a certain element of competition and sportsmanship and performing on command and being able to, to perform that, that not only, you know, benefits the sport, but I think it benefits the athlete too, because those moments that are created as a result of the implications of their performance, you know, are what makes this, but everyone can look back and see, you know, 2018 central regional Scott Panchik qualifies. And then here's his brother, here's Saxon qualify and they're losing their minds and hugging each other on the floor. That doesn't happen at a sanctional because it's like, well, Saxon got it, but maybe not. Maybe the guy that's eight feet, like, you know, that's eight spots yeah. behind him might get it. And so I, I'm excited to get those moments back because I think those are, those are, those are really special. And I think those are the moments that the athletes can build off of. And not only that, like sponsors love it too. So that helps them financially and um, supports the ecosystem in a way that I, I think with allowing event partners to also take some control as well and add their own personal flair to it, I think will be greatly improved. I think it's all good. I'm, I'm excited for next year. I'm excited to get back out on the road. Hopefully uh, we'll get some live events again. We can yeah. bump into each other and, and catch yeah. up. Uh, but Tommy, I want to thank you so much for the time you spent with us. As always, 
filled with a lot of information, a lot of fun, and uh, it's just always a blast. Thank you guys for having me. You know, don't ever hesitate to reach out anytime you need anything. I'm always here to support you guys and appreciate what you do. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.